Episode 161 of the Read to Lead podcast is brought to you in part by cloud accounting software FreshBooks with a free month-long trial just for you. To claim it, visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Ultimately, service is about taking action on behalf of others. What can I do to make them freer, stronger, more independent of me. Welcome to the Read to Lead podcast with Jeff Brown. Jeff believes that if you desire to achieve true success in business and in life, then consistent and intentional reading is a must. The Read to Lead podcast will not only help you narrow this ever important reading list, but also bring you key insights and valuable feedback from some of today's most successful and inspiring authors. And now here's Jeff. Hi there, nice to meet you. I'd like to welcome you to the podcast that is dedicated to your personal and professional growth. We talk about things like leadership, of course, and also personal growth, productivity, career, business, marketing, sales, and entrepreneurship. It's leadership getting the focus today as you and I are going to be joined by Angie Morgan. She's the co-author of Spark, How to Lead Yourself and Others to greater success. Among other things, I'll be asking Angie about how and why leadership is often misunderstood, the importance of mindset and what it means to your leadership success, the four keys to being credible, and much, much more. We'll soon be reopening registration to Read to Lead University, our members-only book club. Right now, we're reading a book called Deep Work by Cal Newport. We'll be meeting at the end of the month as a group to discuss that book live. And if you'd like to be a part of this process each and every month, and not only spur yourself on to more reading, but also go from learning new things to actually putting what you learn into action, then Read to Lead University is for you. If you're in the States, you can get your name on the waiting list by texting the word university to 33444. And of course, anywhere in the world, you can simply visit Read to Lead University. Dot com and enter your name and email address at the top of the page. That way, the next time registration opens, you'll be first in line. We'd love to see you there real, real soon. And we're thankful to cloud accounting software FreshBooks for sponsoring this episode of Read to Lead. You know, just a moment ago, I was looking at all the features in the new and improved version of FreshBooks, and I realized there, there are some key features here that I myself as a user for years, had not even tapped into yet. Things like being able to track your expenses with your phone. With the FreshBooks app, you can take pictures of your receipts and make claiming your expenses a million times easier. Why am I not doing that yet? Gee whiz. One of the many things I appreciate about FreshBooks is it helps you avoid maybe what would otherwise be awkward talk with a client about past due payments. Yeah, FreshBooks automates late payment email reminders. Thank you. So you can spend less time chasing payments and more time working your magic. Of course, you know FreshBooks makes invoicing easy. They give you the ability to customize your invoice. There's also a super handy deposit feature so you can invoice for a payment up front as you're kicking off a project. Many, many reasons to try FreshBooks, especially now is there's no risk. For 30 days, you can get access to every one of those features I just mentioned and more for no obligation. Just visit freshbooks.com slash read to lead and you can take advantage of that free month-long trial. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash read to lead. And when you get there, be sure and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. 
Angie Morgan is the founder of Lead Star and served as a captain of the United States Marine Corps. And not long after launching her professional career, she saw a need in the workplace. Professionals consistently showed that they had a capacity to be leaders, but no one was actually helping them do that. And that's why she founded Lead Star to help you understand how you can achieve greater success by implementing leadership practices into your work routine. And uh, not long after that, Andy, Andy, Angie and a couple of her uh, good friends, co-authors Courtney Lynch and Sean Lynch, wrote a book called Spark, How to Lead Yourself and Others to Greater Success. Angie, welcome to the Read to Lead podcast. Thank you so much. I'm really happy to be here, Jeff. My wife's name is Annie, and I've called her Andy a couple of times, so that <laughs> you're in good company. <laughs> no, well, you know, it's funny because that always seems to happen. Uh, on Amazon, when our first our book first came out, um, it was for Annie Morgan, and we had a hard time locating and making that fixed, that, you know, correcting that. So I, I'm, I've been called many things. Annie sounds like a great one. <laughs> well, let's let's begin at the beginning. Let's let's define what you and your co-authors mean by the word spark? What, what kind of person embodies that word? When we think of sparks, we think about the doers, the thinkers, the game changers in professional environments who apply the disciplines of leadership to their challenges and achieve results. So with our book, Spark, we outline what, you know, again, their seemingly mysterious skill set that they're demonstrating actually is. It's, it's about behavior. Mm. And we want to help any professional who's seeking greater success in their world understand those behaviors that can make them stand out, too. Who would you say the book is is ultimately for? Is there a specific individual in mind to to, to, to what you just said, or, or is it is it broader than that? It's broader than that, which I think maddened our publisher. They're like, can't you just pick an audience <laughs> who, who um, it'll help us market your book so much better? And we thought about it, and it really comes from our military backgrounds. Mm. We all learned leadership in um, Courtney and I in the Marine Corps, Sean mm. in the Air Force. And what's interesting about our military background is that everyone learns how to lead. So regardless of your rank or your position, or, you know, again, if you have zero responsibilities for team members, you learn leadership. And so it really is a message for everyone because everyone has an opportunity to lead and to be a spark. And so it is a broad definition. I know that it sits on the business shelf, but if I'm a, you know, even a stay at home mom and I work out of the home and I participate in school environments. This book is relevant for you. So it is a little maddening, but leadership is leadership and we wanted to make it accessible for those who are interested. Yeah, we, we all influence someone, right? Yeah, I yeah. think so. Absolutely. Well, uh, to many, leadership, and I've seen this prevalent in, in some circles still today, is about nothing more than people in power. Uh, why do you believe, Angie, that, that leadership is, is often misunderstood? That was one of the biggest differences Courtney, Sean, and I experienced when we transitioned out of the military was how the word leadership was used in our former lives mm -hmm. and in our current lives. In the military, you express leadership. It's a behavior. And then we started working in the private sector. And what we realized quickly was that people often referred to their management teams as their leadership teams, as if the only people who could express leadership were managers and management and leadership were used interchangeably to suggest that um, leadership was positional authority. And so our experience is that leadership isn't about positional authority. It's one of those myths of leadership. Mm -hmm. It's going back to behavior. I mean, if you've ever had a bad boss, you realize that just because you're a manager doesn't make you a leader. But we also knew the reverse was true. 
you know, you can lead without being a manager. Hmm. Well, why do you say in the book, Angie, that, that leadership development is going to make us uncomfortable? <laughs> <laughs> I think any development makes you uncomfortable, mostly because it's about behavior changes. Like if I were to right. ask you, why don't you spend the day opening all the doors in your house with the wrong hand? It's going to be a little bit uncomfortable <laughs> because you're going to have to think about it. Mm. And that's a safe risk that you're taking, right? It's opening a door with a different hand. There's mm. no social risk really associated with that. Right. And so we think about leadership development. We think about our relationship with people and there's risk there. So part of, you know, we dedicate a chapter on confidence, for example, and how to develop your confidence. And there's there's some risk because it requires you to face your fears and to gain a new approach to facing your fears. Um, it could mean that you're speaking up more. It could mean that you're holding, you know, somebody accountable or having an uncomfortable comfortable dialogue related to it. And that makes people uncomfortable when you challenge their behaviors. Our last guest Adam Hansen co-wrote a book called Outsmart Your Instincts. And similarly, uh, Angie writes about the need to challenge our instincts in this book. Talk about, Angie, the, the concept of cognitive flexibility and, and why we need to be wary of our, of our natural inclinations. I think that's one of those myths on leadership, right? That leaders go with their gut. They trust their <laughs> instincts. But a lot of our instincts are just flat out wrong when it comes to building influence with other people. You think about if there's a problem or a mistake, instinctually we want to distance ourselves or you know, place blame on the person next to us or throw our colleague under the bus. Um, not, <laughs> not leadership behaviors, but certainly instincts. It's part of our human nature, again, to protect ourselves and protect our ego at all costs. And so cognitive flexibility and cognitive discipline, which are two things we write about in Spark, means that we can change. I mean, leadership is a head game. We can change our behavior. We can demonstrate flexibility, different approaches to problems. Um, you know, I think we're really good doing this when it comes to the managerial tasks of our work. Like, you know, say that, you know, the printer's jammed. We, mm. you know, create a solution or say that the caterer doesn't show up for our lunchtime meeting. We can call and order pizza. We demonstrate mm. flexibility when it comes to the things in our work, but do we apply the same approach with the people in our world? Like, say that you work with Sally and you've worked with Sally forever and you just get so sick of the way Sally always responds to some of your questions. Well, you can't change Sally. Mm. You can't change you. And if you apply a similar flexibility to your approach with Sally, you could possibly mm. get a different outcome to your relationship and possibly improve your relationship. So that's cognitive flexibility. Yeah, there is a fair amount of time in the book spent talking about behavior and, and mindset and, and, and a, an intriguing topic to me. The work of Carol Dweck mm -hmm. uh, is mentioned a few times. Uh, one of the best uh, illustrations of the importance of mindset in my reading, I thought, was was your journey to getting your MBA. Would you, would you be willing to share a little bit about that? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, well, there was a time um, not too long ago in my career where I realized that, you know, my English major and my Marine Corps background and my, you know, strong desire to succeed would get me pretty far in running a business. But there came a point, you know, I think about year eight or nine, with running Leadstar that I realized I just didn't have the business background, that solid foundation to help lead the business further. And, you know, it was like you ran into a wall you needed to get over. And I thought about going back to business or thought about going to grad school, specifically business school, but I was really fearful. 
because I was bad at math or mm. so I thought. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that, you know, we get introduced to ideas when we're young that we just cling, cling to. And perhaps I had a math teacher and I can't remember, but this was the impression from um, me being young was that I was bad at math. Mm. And so I didn't take math in college. And I was really intimidated by going to grad school because obviously in business school, it's a math intensive program, <laughs> rightfully so. So I went with it. I found a school I didn't have to take, you know, in an executive program. I didn't have to take, um, you know, graduate school entrance exam. And I applied and I got accepted. But my acceptance was contingent upon me passing a quantitative reasoning um, course. And mm. that frightened me. And the... Michigan, University of Michigan, they were gracious. They gave me study material. They gave me a test day. They gave me online practice courses, but it was up to me to pass. And it was funny, through the process of preparing for this quantitative reasoning course, I realized that I wasn't bad at math. I was actually slow at math, which is a really big difference. Mm. Um, it just takes me longer to problem solve than it does the average person. And it was one of those moments in my life where I think I had a fixed mindset about my relationship with math. Like I'd shy away from it. I wouldn't attempt it. I wouldn't jump right in until I really confronted the issue and realized, actually, no, this, this, is, this isn't right. For 20 plus years, I've been carrying this belief about my abilities that is just flat out wrong. And it was kind of shocking. And actually, in many ways, it was wonderful because it made me wonder, too, um, what other misconceptions I had about my talents and my abilities. And that's uh, kind of exciting to rethink that. It certainly is. And as you're talking, I'm like, you need to have a conversation with my wife because she's convinced she's bad at math, too. And I, <laughs> I, I don't think that's the case. And, and if it makes you feel any better, I barely squeaked by in calculus and statistics my, myself. Almost didn't make it, but with a little tutoring, finally got through it. So I, I, I certainly had my struggles in that area as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't don't get me started talking about <laughs> statistics. Oh, yeah. Uh, not, not my strong suit by any They're means. They're not my strong suit. But, you know, it's like you can do it. You just have to appreciate. It's just, it, you know, might not come naturally. Yeah. Well, well, chapter uh, three of the book, I think it is, introduces the four keys to being credible. Angie, would, I, would you be willing to, to unpack these for us? Yeah, when we were writing Spark and thinking about behaviors that make people influential, credibility obviously is one of those skills. Um, you know, we think about the people who are motivated and inspired and influenced by, they're credible to us. Mm. They, it, they, you know, it's not because, again, they're demonstrating this elusive, mysterious skill set. It's because they're really good at um, influencing their credibility through behavior. And we broke it down to four keys that help you influence credibility with other people. So it's really interesting about credibility is that you, so Jeff, you, you hold information that will determine whether or not I'm credible in your eyes. Mm. And so you're the keeper of my credibility. And for me to be credible in your eyes, I kind of have to figure out what makes me credible to you. Mm. And so part of the journey that we wanted to send people on when they thought about credibility was first and foremost, the first key is really understand what's expected of you in your relationships. Mm. What is success look like in those relationships. You know, for me, for example, um, coming from the Marine Corps, I really respect people who are on time. I mean, that is one of my, and not everybody feels that way, right? But if you want to be credible, 
you show up a couple minutes early and you're prepared right when we hit go. And you did, Jeff, by the way. You're very credible. <laughs> but, but, but how do you feel about those who cancel their first interview and, and reschedule? <laughs> I already forgot about that. <laughs> But again, it's like, you know, you have to figure out. It's like we all have different things. And if you just go by what's bright lined in your job description, thinking that that's what's going to make you credible, Mm. it's just not the case. Mm. And so it starts off again. First, really understand the expectations of those around you. The second is that you can influence your credibility by meeting the commitments that you yourself make too. We have this phrase called the say-do gap. What's the space between your actions and your words? Mm. Because that space is going to determine how credible you are with others. And the third um, way to build and influence credibility is to think about who you work with and around. The reality is, is that we're not lone wolves. We're pack animals. We you know, thrive on connection. And often our success is connected to the people around us. So as somebody who's building influence, how well do you clearly communicate your intent and expectations with others? Um, You know, say that you and I are working together. And me being credible to you means, hey, you know, we've got to get this project done by Friday. This is what I think needs to be involved. Just you know, sharing just some thoughts about what success looks like, because there's nothing more frustrating than working with somebody who you work together on a project, you turn it into them and they say, well, gosh, that wasn't what I wanted at all. (laughs) And, you know, you lose your credibility by not being clear about what it is that you expect. And the final key to credibility is also having those conversations related to accountability when expectations are missed. You know, so again, if you and I are working together on a project, I share with you what is expected. It absolutely doesn't come, you know, what we agreed upon. Just having the courage to have the conversation to say, whoa, what happened here? How did I screw up? How did you miss this expectation? Can we talk about it so we can not do this again in the future? That takes a little bit of courage for people to talk about problems with a sense of accountability. But if we think about the people who are credible in our life, is that they're not afraid to have those difficult conversations because they're committed to us. And we all want to get better together. Mm. I know, the, and uh, as I look back on the on the great leaders that I had a chance to work with and, and for, the ones I have the most respect for are the ones who, who weren't afraid to admit when they'd made a mistake. Yeah, me too. I, I agree. I think our knee-jerk reaction when something doesn't turn out the way that it should is to say, well, what the heck happened? Why did you do this? <laughs> but really, um, the... Again, this is cognitive, you know, those cognitive functions. It's really to stop, pause, hold your instinct and say, you know what, this happened. Um, I probably contributed to it some way. How was I not clear? Um, Can you give me feedback on how we can be clear in the future? That invites candor. That puts, you know, people off the defense. They can have an honest conversation. Well, I'm, I'm big about living an intentional life, being an intentional leader. And I've heard a lot here the last uh, few years, especially about this, just this idea of intentional leadership. Uh, talk about, in your view, Angie, the role that that plays in leadership intentionality. Yeah, we dedicate um, an entire chapter to making decisions that matter. So mm-hmm. acting with intention. A lot of our thoughts about this chapter 
come with the reality that we work with business professionals all the time. And it's it's surprising and sometimes saddening that many just lack vision for what their life could be. And we, of course, get excited about the potential that we see within people if they focus their efforts on activities that propel them forward versus tread water and don't really get to the direction that they or you know, find the direction mm. that they are on. So when we decided to write this chapter, we really wanted to start off in the importance of vision and your aspirations for yourself. And in many ways, we like the phrase, um, we'd like people to think about how they can honor their future self with actions today. Because mm. I think we all have a sense of what our, we may not have the details figured out, of what we want our life to be like in 20 years. So, you know, again, like where do we want to be? What type of retirement do we want? Like we can kind of get a sense of what that looks like. But what we do today and the clearer we can be about where we're going, directly will shape that future. Many professionals, you know, are overwhelmed by the abundance of opportunities, you know, right in front of them. Hmm. We, we have this mindset that we can do anything. And the reality is that, yeah, you know, you probably can do anything, but you can't do everything. And if you can just focus your attention on the activities that you feel are going to drive the result you seek, you're going to find that, again, you're honoring your future self and you're, you're going to be much more focused in your pursuit mm. with whatever you do. Mm. Well, Angie and her co-authors uh, dedicate a chapter as well to service-based uh, leadership. Angie, what are some of the ways that we can, we can demonstrate that kind of leadership? Service was unique to um, my development in the Marine Corps, and I think it really serves as the foundation of the Marine Corps' leadership philosophy. Mm. And it is about prioritizing your team's needs before your own. And we were taught as young officers that officers eat last. And it's a simple expression to share that to the junior most person on your team, that they matter, you're prioritizing their needs. And if there's no food left, you're going to go without mm. because you care about them. You're committed to them. And and that's, again, one expression of it. But you can bring this into your work environment by thinking about the people around you. How much time do you spend thinking about them, mm. empathizing with them, seeing the world from you know their view and their perspective? If you took just you know five minutes and thought about the lives of the people around you, you could start to see perhaps where they are on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Mm. You know, is it security? You know, are they really just struggling right now, security-wise, to to make ends meet, or do they have a challenge? At home that's you know preventing them to contributing to their fullest at work how can you help there or is it you know community do they not have friends at work do they feel like they're alone do they not have a career mentor how can you fill that need for them and ultimately service is about taking action on behalf of others it's what are the little things that I can do to empower someone it's not how can I coddle them or how can I pamper them or baby them it's no 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 it's about empowering what can I do to make them freer, stronger, more independent of me. And, you know, it could be that you mentor them, you direct them to professional development opportunities, you, you know, you, you help facilitate or so problem solve in an aspect of their life, whatever it could be. But it's just making sure that you take the time to do that, that you're not just this taskmaster, get this done, get that done. You know, Friday, we need this delivered. It's you're thinking more holistically about the people around you. Mm. Well, uh, share about the role, if you would, Angie, that, that the confidence 
plays in in leadership? What are some things we can do to achieve a steady level uh, of confidence? I like that you brought up, Jeff, the concept of level because it reminds me that confidence isn't a skill like mm. golf or math, for that matter, where you just keep practicing and you miraculously <laughs> get better. <laughs> it, confidence is an emotion which helps you understand why it's present or why it's absent when you need it the most. Mm. So we talk about four ways to build confidence, but I'll say that one of the most important ways for me, and I think it's different for everybody, is this concept of self-talk. You know, what are you saying in those moments when you need confidence the most? Are you saying, gosh, I don't know if I can do this, or geez, I hope people don't find me out that I'm a fake and a fraud, or are you saying, you know what, I've spent my career building up to this moment, I've got this. You know, what you say actually has a powerful influence over the outcome. And so it's just starting to, by just paying attention to your thoughts as it relates to confidence. I don't remember where I read this, uh, but it was recent about leveraging third person when, when doing the self-talk and, and that, that, that there's, a, there's a, some power in that. Jeff, you can do this. Uh, Angie, uh, you have the skills necessary to pull this off. That, that, that made a difference in, 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 in how effective that self-talk was. Have you, have you done any research or reading on that? I haven't, but you're going to um, <laughs> send me on a journey with that. No, but I, I, can, I can see that that's really valuable, mm. though. I mean, we can get confidence from other people who can, you know, again, that was one of our another ways to build confidence is surround ourselves with positive influences. So that definitely helps having somebody else saying, you know, Angie, you've got this, you've got this. But doing it to yourself when, you know, those people are absent, I could see is very beneficial. I'll see if I can track that down and, and send, you, send you the link. I'm, like I'm racking my brain trying to remember what that was now. Well, uh, I have some questions for you, Angie, that, that aren't directly related to the book. But before I, I get to those, is there anything else from the book you want to make sure that we know? Well, I think just leaving people with the idea that if leadership is a behavior, leadership is a choice. Mm. So no matter where you are on your leadership development journey, you can opt into these skills. And with Spark, um, you know, I hate to admit this because I like to sell books, but reading is one of the lowest forms of learning. Yeah. Like, I love reading and I get so many great ideas, but it's not enough, per se, mm. to build your leadership skills. Mm. And online with Spark, we have a tremendous amount of resources, whether it's a book club that you want to kick off. There's such great power and actually growth when you share your experiences and challenge each other in that type of environment. So we've got book club guides. We also have self-reflection and team activities. So if you want to use Spark as um, an informal team training opportunity, please, you know, use these, reproduce these resources. That's what they're there for. Because reading certainly can inspire you, but you can't just like, you can't just read a book on swimming and learn how to swim. <laughs> you actually have to experience, you know, do things differently. And yeah. so I'd like to offer that up. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's one thing to 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 learn. It's another thing to, to do. Um, it's funny you mention that because uh, just a couple of months ago, after doing this podcast for three and a half years, I was like, I want to take this to the next level. And so I, I started a book club. And it's it's a club filled with read to lead listeners who we come together once a month uh, and and chat about the book we're reading. Sometimes we're joined by by the authors, but the whole impetus behind that was 
was to to take what we're doing beyond just you know filling our heads with knowledge and actually helping each other put it into action. So I, I wholeheartedly agree with you there. Uh, I want you to. You know, we've talked about the book you've written. Let's talk about some books you you've read uh, and enjoyed over the years. What would you say, Angie, are uh, maybe two or, or three titles that that immediately come to mind as, as having had the biggest impact on you and and why? Oh gosh, where to start? <laughs> and so going back to, I'm an English major. Mm. I'll say in recent years, one of my most favorite books was um, Anthony Dewar's All the Light We Cannot See. I thought that was just a beautiful, beautiful story. And it was such a sad story, but um, it just made me fall in love with historical fiction. Mm-hmm. I do read business books, but I find my, um, I, I am so inspired by, you know, literature and fiction. So I read a lot of, a lot of fiction. So I think that was one of the most profound um, books in recent years. I think one of my favorite books of all times, though, is Beloved by Toni Morrison. Mm. I, I, you know, I, I read it in college. I studied it in college, and her poetry within her words, you know, move, can move you to tears. And that was one of my, you know, just just all time favorite books. Mm. And more recently, I, I like to read a lot of autobiographies too. And I read Bruce Springsteen's Born to Run, <laughs> and that was. I loved it. You know, he talks in his book um, about service, service-based leadership in a band because you think about him touring with the same group and how do they stay together. And I loved one of his statements. He, he was talking about his bandmates, but the secret to keeping them together is that you have to realize at some point that the person sitting next to you is far more important than you give them credit for. Mm. And if they feel the same way, then the relationship works. I'm oh, paraphrasing. But yeah. I thought that was really brilliant. That is, yeah. Well, a, a skill I think uh, every leader needs to possess, and I, I'm guessing you probably agree, is uh, the ability to be an effective uh, communicator and public speaker, uh, particularly. I'd be curious to know, Angie, maybe a tip or two from you. What are your tips for delivering an impactful and, and memorable public talk? This is something that I, I know you, you do a fair amount of. Yeah, especially with the new material. One of the things that I like to do is talk to myself. I talk to myself all the time. And <laughs> it's not I just feel, me. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think you have to get a really good sense of your speech patterns and you have to get a sense of how words feel and how they're comfortable they are just rolling off your tongue. So I think a lot of people spend time writing a speech, but you have to put the notes away at some point and just try to communicate the speech. And I think that's where authentic communication comes from, just really using your words. And, you know, with all the keynotes that we do, you know, I think we hear, oh, wow, that was a really great spontaneous comment. And I'll be the first to admit, it's like, not all comments are spontaneous. It's just that I've been, <laughs> I've been practicing them for a very long time. <laughs> well, I, I want to know, uh, Angie, if you know, what's what's next for you? What are you and your team working on now that that you're excited about. I know the book is is only been out a couple of months, so maybe the foreseeable future is is getting the word out about that. But be curious to know if there's anything else you're working on. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of things that I'm curious about right now. Um, working inside businesses, I'm always surprised and, and interested in in employees who work, you know, with publicly traded companies, especially. Um, 
how, how they're so conscientious. I think I'm just curious about that. What makes somebody feel like the business is theirs and they have to protect it and be great stewards um, of the resources within? And so I'm curious about that. What makes somebody conscientious? I have some ideas, but I, I want to spend a little bit more time researching that. So I, I feel like conscientious employees um, are, are some of the greatest contributors to organization success. So I'm curious what makes somebody conscientious. And um, I'm also interested in relationships. Mm. I, you know, I think with the pace in which we work and technology and how many barriers are to relationships, but how we can get back to more sources of inspiration, support, and tribal-like environments where we can grow from those experiences. Excellent. Well, our, our guest today has been Angie, or as I like to call her sometimes, Andy Morgan, um, co- <laughs> co-author of Spark. How to lead yourself and others to greater success. Uh, Angie, thank you so much for being a part of the show today. We really appreciate your time. I appreciate it. Thanks so much, Jeff, for the opportunity. I finally remembered where it was I read about self-talk and using third person for even stronger results. And and that was in a book uh, from a guest just a few weeks ago. The book is called Reach, a new strategy to help you step outside your comfort zone, rise to the challenge, and build confidence. It's by Andy Malinsky. Andy was also the first book featured in our uh, new Read to Lead University book club and even came by and joined us for our live chat. Just another reason to consider joining because occasionally we are met by the authors themselves inside those those live chats online. Read to lead university.com, by the way, to find out more about that. Check out some of Angie's resources at sparkslead.us. That's sparkslead.us. All these links and resources, of course, can always be found at the show notes page created especially for this episode. And that is readtoleadpodcast.com slash 161 for episode 161. Please be kind by visiting our sponsor by taking advantage of that free month-long trial, freshbooks.com slash read to lead and enter read to lead in the how did you hear about us section. Are you subscribed to the podcast? You know, when you are, you ensure that each new episode is pushed to your mobile device without you even having to think about it. So make sure you go into your app of choice and click subscribe. We also hope you'll rate and review the show in iTunes or in Stitcher or wherever it is you listen. And with that, I say thanks to Marianne who left a recent five-star rating and review in iTunes calling Read to Lead the all-around best podcast. Thank you so much, Marianne. I appreciate that. And my parents especially appreciate it because you left that review on their 55th wedding anniversary. So you're awesome. Well, that's going to do it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time for the next episode of the Read to Lead podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Read to Lead podcast. As a subscriber, we challenge you to be more than just a passive listener. Become a vital member of the community. Visit us on the web at readtoleadpodcast.com. Until next time, remember, leaders read and readers lead. Oh, 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 oh,